We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another live Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. We're talking a win tonight. Jack, what's up? Happy birthday, D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> yes, it was a great birthday for him. Dropped 40 points. Uh, he had 12 straight in the fourth quarter. Just really killed it this game and looked like an all-star. Looked like an all-star. Him and Kemba going back and forth. It's one of those games that you just take with you. It was just like Kemba had it in the third and early in the fourth. And then D'Angelo Russell was back and forth between these two guys. And, you know, we've made comparisons with, between D'Angelo and Kemba. Um, D'Angelo also in his post-gamer with... Michael Grady said that, you know, he's a guy that inspires him. You know, he wants to get to that level, that consistency. And uh, it was just one of those games. It was back and forth. It was one for the ages, one of the best games of the season. 100%. And like you said, it was like Kemba went on that hot run and all of a sudden D'Angelo was like, hold my beer. And he just went on the run of, <laughs> run of his own. So I was like, yeah, it was crazy. And that game was crazy. And that's where up 19 in the third quarter. It felt like maybe they were going to blow this one open. And the next thing you know, uh, Charlotte went on a like 24-4 to four run. They were up six in the fourth quarter, up to eight in the fourth quarter. And then the Nets were just resilient. And if you get the vibe with this team that like they're just not done until the, the shot clock rings at the end of the game. Yeah, I was not confident when you know that six that buffer was just gone, that nineteen point buffer was gone, and Charlotte continued to to pile in that momentum, like in that twenty four to four run. But then it was just D'Angelo Russell. Um, you know, there was a nice little drive by Harris that swung the momentum a little bit. And you know, shout out to Jared Allen, that big time uh, offensive rebound. You know, we've sort of criticized him in the past, and a lot of other people criticized him for his physicality and such. But the Nets really wanted this one, and you know, D'Angelo Russell. That uh, obviously that controversial uh, ending to the game with Carol Savert as well. It was 
Uh, it was one that was certainly earned and one that solidifies ourselves in the sixth spot because if we had lost this one, Charlotte would have overtaken us. Yeah, and, you know, obviously they're going to play again. So worst case, they're going to split the season series and no one will have the tiebreaker. Obviously, hopefully the Nets pick up that W. You mentioned Jared Allen. Not only that big offensive rebound, I thought in the end of the game when Zeller went out and uh, Charlotte went small, he had a lot of big defensive possessions when they were playing zone. Tony Parker went at him, forced a couple turnovers. I think... Jared Allen at times needs to have more confidence in himself. And we said this before, you know, especially in those pick and rolls. I don't know if it's the Nets coaches, but he drops deep so far where he's a quicker guy and he can recover a little bit. And I think they need to put him in a situation, take advantage of his athletic ability, especially because he's on the smaller side in terms of weight. Yeah, laterally, he's he's okay. You know, when he was, there was a couple of times on the perimeter, he was matched up with Kemba and Kemba would settle for the sort of three. And, and that's fine. A lot of the, a lot of smalls will do that. But, you know, Jared Allen has shown in the past um, that he can, you know, move laterally. He's quick, um, especially for a guy of his side. So um, I'm, I'm expecting big things from him going forward. And yeah, he was just great defensively tonight. Those blocks on Zella, you know, the, uh, a shout out as well to the D'Angelo Russell defense tonight. Um, I thought the effort and some of the plays from him that disallowed block on Kemba Walker was, um, I mean, it evens out if, if we're going to talk about, you know, that Karis Savert, if you want to call it a foul, because the ref looked like he was going to signal didn't signal it. Um, it was, I was worried. I, I will admit that my heart was in my panning out of my chest, let's put it that way. But D'Angelo Russell was killing it on, on both ends of the floor. And, you know, he was just, he's just become the leader. Like he's just the face of the franchise and, you know, we expect this from him now. We expect big time plays from him. And, you know, Damari Carroll following um, that Cleveland Cavaliers performance was just like to him, you're an all-star now. We need you to step up. And that's what he did. And he did it again tonight. Yeah, exactly. And it's like he took over the team, gave him the ball, and he wanted the ball in those, oppor- in those opportunities. And he really just pulled out the win. Like the Nets were down in the situation and need somebody to step up. We saw Dinwiddie do it in the past. Tonight was D'Angelo Russell. And he just extended his game to another level. Oh, big time. It's it's astounding to just see this guy grow, you know, a 23-year-old, just continuing to grow. We don't even know. Like, he's become an absolute lethal perimeter threat. And he's that he's using all these skills that he's becoming very, very good at to better other facets of his game. You know, he's he's drawing fouls on his jumper now. So he's getting a little craftier there. And, you know, not just from the, you know, the, the mid-range too, where that awesome play where he nailed it and he got the M1 play. But, you know, he's... He's becoming a little more flaily. He's and he's getting some respect from the refs. He saw him speak to them a couple of times, just like having those conversations. It seems like with the team, you know, D'Angelo being the, the face of this sort of team right now, the respect is growing. And D'Angelo being, you know, 23 years old, you know, it's it's only onwards and upwards for here. And uh, it, it's just a wonderful thing. And I think we hark back to our preview and then my OTG basketball sort of uh, preseason preview of the Nets and you know D'Angelo Russell when he was holding down the Nets Twitter his goal for the season was to play 82 games and I think that that simple goal for him is sort of panning out uh, all these other great things that we've seen from him this season yeah and I think D'Angelo's only missed one game this year and it was rest against the Bucks, I believe in late December so obviously he's healthy and you mentioned it just everything he's doing out there and he's just taking this game to another level but Jack, let's talk about some of the other guys tonight. Obviously, we could talk about D'Lo for the whole podcast. Your boy, Joe Harris, you know, low-key had a really nice game, 19 points, 5 of 7 from the field, 3 of 4 from deep, 6 free throws. And, you know, he's just becoming a legitimate offensive player every single night now. Yeah, when you need that clutch bucket from Joe Harris, whether it's a, you know, when you want a strong drive or you just want a, an absolute money three, you know Joey Buckets is going to be there. And he just, he never forces the issue. Um, it's very rare for him 
that you know you'll see him make a bad pass or occasionally he'll make a bad pass on a drive but he's the right decision in the first place to make the drive so when the nets needed a bucket whether you know he he obviously is a big fan of the charlotte arena winning that three-point yeah. contest there um but yeah he was just so important and i mean all around i think the rotation and i mean we could have a general discussion about that i think a lot of nets fans will be happy with it but the starters tonight, we sort of talk about, you know, how the bench is sort of the one that lifts the team uh, a lot of the time. And, and our bench is probably one of the best, if not the best in the league. Um, I, I think our starters really set the tone and probably were the biggest part. And, uh, and Joe Harris as well. Again, I'm not a big advocate for plus minus, but plus minus plus 14, the plus minus easily uh, the number one guy on our team. Yeah, for a second, I thought you were going to say you're not a big advocate of Joe Harrison. I was going to be like, Jack, you're lying. <laughs> but um, No, the starters, I thought in the first half, it was pretty even. The starters and the bench both played well, but the bench was pretty bad in the second half. They were on the floor, a big part of that Charlotte run, and the starters pulled out the game in the end and got the W. So, again, starters stepped up, like we said, D'Angelo Russell, Joe Harris, Jared Allen. You know, also, I thought Carol Avert had some moments where he's finding form, but the rhythm just isn't quite there in some of the plays. He looked a little out of control. Yeah, and it was nice to see him hit those two threes. You know, so, the, I mean, there's you take the good with the bad with the guy who's coming back from a pretty serious injury. So, uh, it certainly weren't, they weren't the prettiest of threes, but the fact he's hitting them, that's all that really matters. And there was times where, yeah, like you mentioned, Nick, he looked a little bit erratic, but uh, the energy, the effort, all the things that we love about Karras was there. His defense was great. His rebounding was really good. And, you know, I think that uh, as this season progresses, and, you know, we have this nice little homestand. I think that the chemistry and the cohesion between um, him and D'Lo, it almost seems like now D'Lo's obviously the guy, but I think Harris can be able to balance himself off him. And I think, you know, when um, Spencer gets back as well, probably replaces Shabazz Napier, I think it's 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 going to be good things going forward. Yeah, it's just, especially when you go from when you're playing and you're the guy who has the ball all the time, now D'Lo has the ball all the time. It's kind of just adjusting. And you mentioned the defense from Levert. That's going to be where he really helps his team. Another steal tonight, just creating those turnovers and getting crazy on defense, bringing the energy and the effort. He does a great job kind of fighting over screen sometimes, especially when he's in rhythm and really locked in defensively. But uh, overall, just a really nice performance to see him physically looking good. But uh, Rodion's got some minutes tonight, Jack. That was something I think a lot of Nets fans are happy about. I think everyone would be happy about it. I think, you know, Coach Kenny, if he's checking Twitter tonight, he'll be a happy man. <laughs> Do you reckon Coach, Coach Kenny definitely doesn't have burners, does he? I don't think so. He seems like a guy that's, like, really engaged into, like, his life. And, like, he yeah. wouldn't waste time on, like, social media. He'd be like, oh, that's stupid. He's either, yeah. like, working on that stuff or with his family, I would assume. Yeah, I reckon he's the guy that carries around notebooks and is like busy writing and stuff. And <laughs> I, I mean, I've got, I've got myself a notebook as well, so I'm not going to hate, but I'm also, uh, my phone is like another limb to me. But yeah, I think that the rotation tonight was probably ideal, Nick. Um, I, I don't think many people would argue with that. The offense just looked very smooth with Rodion's at the four at times. He made plays. Um, it, it just seemed to be, despite the fact that he had 10 minutes, um, it just seemed to be the the right sort of movement. And, you know, Trevion Graham was good as well. Um, I think, you know, three, six in the field and hit a three. And, you know, his defense was good. And I think that sort of interchange between Trevion, Damari and Rodion's is going to be the way going forward. Um, despite the fact that it might hurt um, some, Rod some Rondé Hollis-Jefferson fans uh, and himself, uh, I think that in terms of, the offense working at its best. And I think that the Carol Silvert return, the Carol Silvert return makes up and helps the defense on that side of the floor as well. So I think that this is the ideal rotation going forward. I'll be interested to see Coach Kenny's comments if he's asked some questions about that as well. But, you know, we could still see some Jared Dudley and Ronde minutes, but 
I think it'll be easy for a guy like Jared Daly to accept the fact that he's not getting some. And, you know, there'll probably, there might be a few niggles along the way. We know the Nets like to play very cautiously with our guys. And um, I, I think that, you know, there'll still be a spot uh, in, in the rest of the season, in the last 20 games or so, for Ronde and for Jared to play some sort of a role. Yeah, guys get in foul trouble too. You know, you have to go to guys that maybe you're not necessarily going to play, especially if someone like Rodion's gets four fouls or Trevion or something like that. But I think what it says about the position, you know, Rodion's coming off the bench and playing the four, he didn't necessarily do a ton, but he understood his role. And that's something that Rondé has trouble with. He tries to do too much when he's out there. And also the fact that Rodion just brings a perimeter threat and Rondé doesn't really bring much of that at all. Yeah, and it's just, and I think Rodion's, it, it's funny you sort of mentioned the fact that um, it, the control and stuff. And there's times we've said that Rodion's can look a bit, little bit out of control, but the, the fact that he seemed calm, his presence out there, it, it just fitted, you know, the, the, the feed. I think that he, when he was with Shabazz, it was when Shabazz looked his best because he was able to, you know, get the ball off and, and find a moving player. Whereas for a lot of the time throughout the, the night in his 15 minutes, Shabazz would, would hoist some unnecessary shots. And a few guys were were guilty of that, but I think Shabazz was probably mostly, you know, 15 minutes and 10 shots. Um, it, it's, it's a bit lofty, um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think that going forward, you know, maybe Karras plays a little more of a, a ball handling role, but um, uh, we can't hate too much on Shabazz because at the same time, we did get the win. Yeah, and he's a third-string point guard. You know, he's not the backup point guard. He's a guy filling in for Spencer Dinwiddie. When Dinwiddie's in there, now this bench unit takes a huge jump because Dinwiddie has a better balance of when to take shots and when to pass the ball. And also, he's a better shot maker, I would say, especially from the perimeter. He's more consistent, where Shabazz is just really hot or cold. Like, he'll knock down two or threes, and then he'll miss three straight. And like you said, he took 10 shots, and I would probably say three or four of those shots were just really bad takes, like just unnecessary too early in the shot clock or just over a defender where I thought later in the game, there was a couple of plays where he got in the lane. I think that's when he's at his best. Yeah. And I think it's hard for him as well. He had a decent enough matchup um, in, in Tony Parker, similar sort of size. I think that that's a mold he could sort of look towards. I think Shabazz at this stage of his career is a little bit of a better three point shooter, but he does take some bad shots. Whereas Tony Parker is still finding ways to just put up buckets. He's a, a, a tremendous player and, and a great vet for, for the Charlotte Hornets right now. But Nick, what were your thoughts on the first half? It seemed to be some of the, the better basketball that the Nets were playing for most of the season. Yeah, honestly, I loved it. I loved the team basketball. You felt, I just think a lot of team aspects of the game. Player movement was great. Ball movement was great. You saw a lot of hockey assists. There was a couple plays that come to mind. You know, Joe Harris drove or D'Angelo drove. They passed to each other and the next guy hit Jared Allen for a dunk. Just a lot of good player and ball movement. Then also I thought that team rebounding was really good in the first half. Second half, not so much. Even team defense was good. It just felt like a cohesive unit in that first half. In the second half, they just got out of sync. And I think a lot of credit goes to Charlotte because they were very physical and they took the Nets out of what they wanted to do. Yeah, uh, they, they certainly stepped up, you know, forcing certain shots. They were, they were defending really well, um, you know, being able to put a lot of pressure on the ball handler, force him to sort of over-dribble. Um, yeah, the, the, it looked really stagnant and uh, the flow looks a lot better in that sort of first half. But there were moments where, you know, sometimes you just need that go-to guy and, and, and thank God for D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, exactly. Thank God for D'Angelo Russell. When we get Levert healthy, we'll have another guy that can do that and another guy when Dinwiddie's healthy, you know, so the Nets are going to have options moving down the stretch, especially they run a good offense and they can run good sets, but obviously sometimes, especially in the playoffs where it gets really physical, teams are going to knock you out of that. So it's on to guys to make one-on-one plays. One thing, Jack, I wanted to get your uh, thoughts on this. We saw this in the Portland game. We saw it in the Charlotte game. The Nets are having a real trouble with high pick and rolls against good guards you know, because the, the center's going to drop back so far. You know, Kemba Walker, C.J. McCollum, Dame Lillard. You know, if the Nets guard gets caught in the screen, 
it's they're just in trouble and then the other team's going to get an open shot. What do you think they need to do to adjust that or is that just something they're going to live with? Uh, it's hard because I think that there's such a, an emphasis on defensive rebounding, Nick, that you're sacrificing a little bit of that at the same time. So uh, I think it's a, it's a catch-to-do situation. I think it's certainly some to, something to watch. Um, I don't think it's, you know, um, it, coming down maybe into the players when it's, you know, if we happen to make it and we're coming up against a, a guy like a Kyrie Irving or one of those sort of players, um, he's probably the most dangerous um, point guard, you know, in, in the East right now. Uh, anyway, you know, I don't think, and, it, and who knows, um, we could come up, uh, there's not really anyone else uh, in the in the Eastern Conference that sort of worries me in that sort of aspect. Maybe Kyle Lowry. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think that he's lost a step or two um, due to age and due to just health as well. He's back certainly getting to him. So I think it's something to watch and something to sort of scout for. But I think it's a game-by-game basis because, you know, we're not going to be versed in Portland very often there. I think that game proved sort of where the Nets are at. You know, the, the Portland Trailblazers are a top-four team. Um, I believe they're still a top-four team in the Western Conference. And the Western Conference is absolutely stacked and, and by far the better conference in terms of overall depth. Whereas we are around that sort of mid-range, mid-tier, just under that mid-tier in the playoffs um, for the Eastern Conference. And we sort of saw that tonight against the Hornets. We're a similar sort of team. We have similar sort of talents. Um, I think our, our depth and our coaching is a little bit better and our overall offense and schemes are better. But, you know, the Charlotte Hornets have a guy like Kemba Walker and Tony Parker who can do some things as well. So it's something to watch. Um, and I think it'll be something to watch more against a team like Boston. Uh, but it has to be, you know, if that's the case, you've got to focus on, on the wings and the guards really boxing out hard. Yeah, I think one thing they could do, and obviously this is going to take a lot of effort, just the guards getting over the screens really well, just puts a lot of pressure on them, and that's something they're going to have to do the whole game if they're going to run with that scheme. But like you said, they're not necessarily going to face the lead guards in the playoffs anyways, but still always something to keep in mind. Talking about the Portland game and Charlotte game, you brought up the talent comparison, and the one positive thing on the Nets' hand is Spencer Dillon didn't play in either of these games. And obviously he's a very good player. You could argue he's you know top three Nets player on the team. And he's been clutch six man of the year type. So I think that bodes well for the squad. Yeah, when you have one of your best players out, it's going to be tricky to continue to be at your best and be the fullest version of what you are. And we saw that through stretches, um, it, for very minor stretches throughout the season. You know, that sort of early part of the season where Carol Savert was really dominating. But um, Azadine made a point in, in the chat section, Nick, about not just guarding um, the high pick and roll, but guarding the mid-range of the picks better. Um, I'll give you my thoughts on it before you give yours. I think the Nets are, as it, I think the Nets are happy giving away those sort of shots. Um, we know that they, they really have a, a really huge emphasis on guarding the, the perimeter, you know, you know, those high-value shots, you know, three points is more than two. So I think they're ha- more than happy to sort of give away those sort of shots, whereas in the paint, on the perimeter, that's where you want to defend. Despite the fact that um, I remember this stat coming from somewhere, that teams like the Pacers and the Bucks. You know, they guard the perimeter, but they don't place a, a, a massive emphasis on it. It's, you know, if we just want to guard as well as we can. And they give away, I think, the most corner threes in the NBA as well. So it's an interesting fact, but I think the Nets are defensively sound. And giving away those mid-range shots, I think uh, I think you need to be worrisome about it when it gets to be a certain point. Uh, gets to a certain point. And there were times tonight where Tony Parker and Kemba were sort of having their way. But I'd still... Be- and they weren't necessarily horribly uncontested shots. They were just, you know, some nice picks of Bismack Biombo and other bigs. Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right, Jack, that that's something the Nets are okay giving up. 
but you know when it comes to a playoff series and the guy is really hot for mid-range they might have to make the adjustment right now I think it's just maybe improving the help defense a little bit kind of sliding in if your guy gets lost but then you worry about giving up the open three so I think depending on the player they really don't care about the mid-range shot like you said you know threes are worth more than twos obviously yeah and, and it, it was just it's just funny that like some of the best defensive teams in the league are fine giving up certain shots because they back their talent and you know they'll just give those shots away because they just don't happen to make them against them it's interesting you obviously have to play it on a game by game basis and you know things get easier to sort of scout in terms of the fact that you're versing the same team in the playoffs a couple of times and i know we're still forecasting but uh, this little stretch coming up now i know the yes network um, had a a nice in-depth chat about it but this little home stretch here before we you know have a really tough you know sort of march april to end the season um, is going to be super important yeah, it is. And there's a really good opportunity for the Nets to go on a nice win streak here. You know, maybe not the entire stretch, but a couple, you know, four or five game win streak, especially when they're going to go on the road. They're going to face a lot of good teams over the last 13 games. This is a big moment for the team. I thought tonight was a big moment as well. You know, not necessarily that the Hornets are the best team they're going to face over the next couple of weeks. It's just the situation. You know, they're close in the standings, one game apart, and they're able to pull out the win. I think it says a lot about the team. I think it says a lot about the team as well, Nick. I think that, you know, we were all disappointed about in that Portland performance, but, you know, coach the ability for Coach Kenny and the leaders within this locker room to just, you know, put it behind you and get on to the next one. You know, it's a one, it's a game-by-game scenario. And I think that, you know, a lot of teams think too far ahead. Um, you know, we saw the Lakers tonight, you know, go down to the Pelicans because <laughs> they're just so all in on, you know, making the playoffs now. And we see all over bloody Lakers Twitter, they're doing photoshops for bloody Zion Williamson now. Um, it's a wonderful <laughs> thing. I love seeing Lakers. Um, I, I have massive shot in Florida about the Lakers uh, being unsuccessful because, um, you know, thanks for D'Angelo Russell, guys. Um, I'm sure that he could, he'd be, he'd be nice alongside uh, LeBron James right now, rather than a guy who can't, who's probably shooting worse from the free throw line than our boy is shooting from the three point line. True, <laughs> true, true, true. Hey, if they had D'Angelo Russell, they might be able to make a package for AD that they'd actually want, but that's for another day. But <laughs> Jack, anybody else on the roster you think deserves some love for tonight's performance? You know, Jamari didn't necessarily shoot great, but he had a couple big buckets when it really mattered. Yeah, and he was doing the the caroling, as our guys <laughs> like to say, um, where he would just be able to draw contact. A um, couple of, obviously, great offensive rebounds from Ed Davis. Um, he was sensational in that department. Um, so uh, I think that, you know, and Alan Crabb as well, despite the fact that, you know, he didn't shoot well and, you know, his plus minus was probably the worst, he didn't seem horrible. Like, and I think that that's just for me an optics thing, you know, compared to some of his bad games last season where it looked like, you know, he lacked confidence or he didn't want to be out there or something. But um, Alan Crabb still looked okay despite, you know, the box score stats. That's 100% spot on, Jack. You know, last year when he played and he had a bad game, you could feel it had an impact on the court. Tonight he wasn't necessarily great, but he wasn't bad. His impact wasn't fell in a negative way where he's taking a whole bunch of bad threes or he's getting beat on defense or he has a lot of turnovers. He just missed some shots. You know, he played his role. Now, Nick, before we end this one, forecasting forward, do you think that we sort of touched on it, you know, a little bit and we sort of said that this might be the ideal rotation. Do you think that this sort of 10-man rotation right now is the one that Coach Kenny goes with for for the foreseeable future? I think so. Obviously, until Spencer comes back, I think as long as Rodion's does does his thing, he doesn't get too crazy, he doesn't turn over the ball, get in crazy foul trouble, miss assignments and that, I don't think Kenny's going to have a reason to bench him. And I think Rodion's has a feel for that because you kind of felt the energy instantly when he came in the game and he knows he's fighting for minutes right now. Oh, yeah, big time. And, 
one minor thing on that, I think, yeah, you, you, you hit it on the head right there. Um, we sort of talked about it in the preseason, and I talked about it in the last episode in terms of minutes distribution. A couple of guys, more than 30 minutes tonight. D'Angelo Russell, 35. Jared Allen, 31. Joe Harris, 33. And Carol Silbert, 30. So I think Coach Kenny has become a lot more liberal in the way that he's distributing his minutes now. If there's guys that are hot out there, he's leaving them out there. He's not taking D'Angelo Russell out at the seven-minute mark of each quarter or whatever it might be. Um, and that's something that, you know, he's he's growing as well. You know, he is a, a very young coach in terms of his uh, experience. So it's nice to see these little things and just uh, something I wanted to touch on. Yeah, and I think it's also part of the mindset is, you know, first half of the season, you rest your guys a little bit. So in the second half of the season, you can play them a little bo- more in games that you really need to win. So I think it's kind of that bigger picture. And like you said, Kenny's getting a little bit more flexible, not really pulling guys as much. He's building confidence and trust in all of his players now, especially D'Angelo. And I think, you know, that's something that's been featured in many articles. Their trust has taken another step this year. Yeah, I think that there's just trust across the board. And, you know, it's the, the key to any quality relationship, Nicholas. It's true. It's great- we have great trust in each other in that we are going to provide awesome Nets content for OTG Basketball and Nets Republic and, and everywhere else. But yeah, I think that the trust across the board, you know, it, it was one thing that was sort of, you know, a sort of sticking point. You know, D'Angelo Russell hadn't earned it yet. Has, when is he going to earn it? Um, I think that point has come. And I think that, you know, Rodion's is probably the next sort of guy and that sort of thing. Um, in, in that sort of area that he's probably going to be working to earn that trust. There was a point where it, it seemed that he had it, but I think that it's just his form as well. You know, his form is up and down and you need to earn your minutes. You need to earn your time on the court in the NBA. And, you know, 10 minutes, um, despite the fact that, you know, it wasn't an amazing 10 minutes. It wasn't, you know, 10 minutes, 10 points or whatever. It was a, a very solid 10 minutes and, you know, could improve to 15. It's just a game-by-game game proposition. I think Rodion's is, is going to keep on growing with these sort of performances. 100%, Jack. And I think if there's games where maybe Trevion Graham plays really bad or gets in foul trouble, we could see Rodion pick up the minutes and whatnot. Any other topics you want to touch on before we get out of here, Jack? Can't think of any, Nick. We've touched on so many in the mailbag and stuff, but um, it's always fun um, chatting after a win. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, and this was a close one, and, you know, it got down to the wire, but it's always nice, especially when those close wins against a team in the standings when it really matters. So, Jack, as always, a pleasure. Appreciate everybody checking in, listening, viewing, whatever it is. Check us out, iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and YouTube, and NetsRepublic.com. Thank you, guys, and let's go Nets. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.